0: Every decision they make can have an effect on our lives.
1: Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack.
2: America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are
0: run by liberal Democrats. This is Our Lives in Politics. With your host, Booker, and co-host, Lou Basada. For most of the week, I was unsure of what I would do for this program, for this hour. It seemed like a pretty quiet news week, and for most part, uh, there wasn't much going on. Sure, there was the Durham report, for which I was left very deflated, and you probably felt the same way. And I know at this point, everyone has said everything possible about Durham, and really, it revealed very little. That wasn't already known, at least from what I can tell. Toward the end of the week, there was an interesting hearing that started grabbing some headlines. The House Subcommittee on Government Weaponization, which is led by Jim Jordan, brought FBI whistleblowers in to testify about their experience as whistleblowers and to reveal some truths. It's clear to see that the three-letter agencies are completely out of control in this country, and they're not done. They're coming for you. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks for joining me on America Out Loud Talk Radio and wherever you listen to your podcasts. This hour is brought to you by FourPatriots.com. Use the promo code Loud at checkout for a 10% discount on anything in their store. I'm going to get into the FBI whistleblower hearing some this hour and let you hear from yourself from the witnesses and the representatives. We'll also briefly take a look at a Biden U.S. attorney that was forced to resign last week. And the last half of this hour, we're going to hear from a guy I believe should be considered for attorney general should a Republican ever get back in the White House. Hopefully, that's 2024. That guy is Mike Davis. You see him all the time on television, and he was the guy behind 234 Trump federal judge appointments and confirmations. We'll hear what he has to say about Mitch McConnell, and also he has some things to say about the Republicans. Let's get started by wrapping up the Durham investigation and report. And after years of investigation into the origins of the entire Russian collusion hoax, Durham ended up with only one conviction. And that was Kevin Kleinsmith, an attorney at the FBI. He was a young attorney, and he was arrested and was convicted after he pled guilty to falsifying a document before a FISA court. When it's all said and done, I'm, I'm left wondering where American journalism was during this. And yes, that's a rhetorical question. Why weren't they actually doing their job instead of propagating the lies and being the vehicle for the Clinton campaign to push the lies that absolutely drug our country through the last six years of hell? Matt Gates was on Newsmax, and he summed it up, and I think he summed it up really well, on the Durham investigation. The FBI
3: and Department of Justice were weaponized and Trump was specifically targeted. The report takes great lengths to point out the number of times where Trump was targeted in a way no other American would be. And in essence, the FBI has now become a disinformation and election interference enterprise here in our country. It's very damning for them. The Steele dossier was nonsense. The probable cause standard even to originate an investigation, not to continue, but even to an originate an investigation was never met. And you had a secret court that was lied to. But Chris, this report is an insufficient consequence for the malfeasance and corruption that we have seen here. There was an operation from beginning to end to fuse political opposition research from the DNC and the Clinton campaign with this intelligence process and criminal process. And it's a sad day in America because if that had been- a Republican operation, an operation to help a Republican candidate. This wouldn't have ended with a report. It would have ended with real significant indictments. The only indictment that Durham is able to cite here is the indictment of Kevin Kleinsmith. This was the FBI lawyer who changed evidence before a secret court. And guess what? He's already back to practicing law.
0: So it's safe to say that the operation was a smashing success. After all, no one was really held accountable. Not at this point and I doubt that they ever will be. There was one liar out in front of all of it as you look back to the Russian collusion hoax. You had the media, but you also had representatives. In the House of Representatives, you had a guy by the name of Adam Schiff. Shifty Schiff was always in front of the cameras, and he always had evidence in plain sight. Cue the music and bring in Adam Schiff's lies.
1: But we do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help and the president made full use of that help, and that is pretty damning. Whether it's simply Donald Trump um, reacting to the question that's been raised about his legitimacy because of the the taint over the election, uh, but when people uh, say there's no collusion, they must have a different word for the kind of corrupt coordination of effort between the Trump campaign and the Russians. No collusion. Uh, we know that the president no. has made uh, lie after probably lie. over a thousand false statements right. uh, about the oh, Russia probably. issues. It's very clear that.
0: Hear that? Campaign. Probably, probably. Well,
1: Russian help built it into their campaign plan, never reported it, uh, and made full use of it, and then lied about it. Bob Mueller did not find that there was no collusion. In fact, in the first couple of pages this of the report, he said we don't address that issue. What we found is we could not prove criminal conspiracy beyond a reasonable doubt. The president had just incited a mob that attacked the Capitol and killed, uh, resulted in the deaths of, of five people. Uh, So the fact that they were in an unsecure place uh, that is guarded with nothing more than a padlock uh, or whatever security they had at a hotel uh, is deeply alarming. Uh, And I have asked for, along with Chairman Maloney, a damage assessment by the intelligence community and a briefing to Congress.
0: And you know that the lies continued and continued for Adam Schiff. Every time he was on television, he was lying. We now know that to be the truth, and we did the whole time, really. Unfortunately, most of the country still doesn't know at this point. We're trying to get the truth out to them. We need your help to do that. He's not the only one that is in front of cameras. Remember Andrew McCabe? Andrew McCabe was number two in charge at the Federal Bureau of Investigation under James Comey. Ultimately, Andrew McKay was fired. He is now saying this about the Durham report.
3: We knew from the very beginning this was never a legitimate investigation. This was a political errand to exact some sort of retribution on Donald Trump's perceived enemies in the FBI. That's what Mr. Durham has done.
0: So with the media always in the back pocket of the Democrats and the leftists, how is the truth ever going to get to Americans? I'm going to finish up this part of this hour on this Durham investigation with Senator Ted Cruz, and he sums it up this way.
4: It was always a crock from day one. It, it, it was based on the Steele dossier, bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton right. and the DNC, and the Department of Justice knew that, the FBI knew that, Department of Justice knew that because an associate deputy attorney general, his wife, worked at the firm that yep. put it together, and he, he was a major conduit for this. And, and this was all about Hard left partisans who burrowed into career positions at DOJ and the FBI, who hated Donald Trump and were willing to use the entire machinery right. of government to try to target him. And I'll tell you, if Hillary had won, we would never have known any of this. Their plan would have worked, except the American people had something else to say about it. Whether Schiff hmm. has ever held to account, I don't. I don't know. That will depend in significant part right. on, on the voters of California. But Schiff so far seems to have prospered on the far left by trafficking in lies on a daily basis.
0: You may remember a show that I did one night that was on the weaponization of the government against us and through social media, and that was part of the Twitter files with Matt Taibbi and Mike Schellenberger. If you did not hear that, I would suggest that you go and find that in the archive. You can do that by going to americaoutloud.com and then go find Booker Scott and underneath that, you will go look for the weaponization of the government. Look for that show. You can also find it on unifiedoneamerica.com. Again, the name of that show is the weaponization of the government. So, how does all this tie together from the Durham investigation to now into this weaponization subcommittee? Because it does, because it has to do with the three letter agencies Jim Jordan. Is going to take us into this weaponization hearing, and he's going to question three FBI whistleblowers.
5: Politics is driving the agenda in far too many of our federal agencies. Don't believe me? Just read the Durham report from a couple weeks uh, or a couple days ago, where they outline what exactly t- where, where where you had the FBI and the Justice Department start an investigation with no predicate, no evidence, no probable cause whatsoever. But today, it's worse. Today, it's worse. It's not just going after presidential candidates, presidential campaigns. Today, it's the American people. If you're a parent attending a school board meeting, you're a pro-lifer praying at a clinic, or you're a Catholic simply going to mass, you are a target of the government, target of the FBI. And maybe even worse than all that, if you're one of the, the thousands of good employees, brave whistleblowers who's willing to come forward, If you're one of these folks willing to come forward and talk about what's going on out there, you get attacked. They will try to crush you. And today we're going to hear in a hearing just less than an hour from now, we will hear from three of those individuals. We have talked to over two dozen whistleblowers. We have interviewed several of those individuals, and three of them are willing to come forward today
6: and testify in our hearing.
0: And one of the whistleblowers that is here to testify is Special Agent of the FBI, Garrett O'Boyle.
6: Chairman Jordan, members of the committee, thank you for addressing FBI malfeasance and allowing me to speak today. Aside from that point of gratitude, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and I'm angry that I have to be here to testify about the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. Weaponization against not only its own employees, but against those institutions and individuals that are supposed to protect the American people. I am here today because even though I am wrongfully suspended from the FBI, I remain duty-bound to the American people to play my small role in rectifying these issues. After all, I never swore an oath to the FBI. I swore an oath to the Constitution.
0: Agent O'Boyle is a decorated veteran with the 101st Airborne. He was decorated for ground combat, and he went on to do police work, graduate with honors with his bachelor's degree in criminology, and ultimately, he made it to his dream of Special Agent with the FBI, which he also received the highest honors available from the FBI.
6: I've been smeared as a malcontent and subpar FBI employee. This smear stands in stark contrast to my life in public service. This smear campaign, disgusting as it is, is unsurprising. Despite our oath to uphold the Constitution, too many in the FBI aren't willing to sacrifice for the hard right over the easy wrong. They see what becomes of whistleblowers, how the FBI destroys their careers, suspends them under false pretenses, takes their security clearances and pay with no true options for real recourse or remedy. This is by design. It creates an Orwellian atmosphere that silences opposition and discussion. We know what is right to do, yet we too often refuse to do what is right because of the difficulty and suffering it incurs. I couldn't knowingly continue on this path silently without speaking out against the weaponization I witnessed, even if it meant losing my job, my career, my livelihood, my family's home, and now my anonymity. It's up to members of this committee, current and former FBI employees, and indeed all Americans to ensure that the weaponization of our own government against the people comes to an end, no matter the personal cost. As James Madison prudently opined, in framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and the next place, oblige it to control itself. The safeguards currently in place at the FBI are clearly inadequate. It must be reworked to protect whistleblowers and others who are inappropriately targeted. The FBI can extract whatever they want from me. I'm willing to bear that burden. I've sworn to defend this country from enemies, both foreign and domestic, even if that means sacrificing my life. I've lived that oath out since first enlisting in the Army, consistently saying, here am I, send me. My oath, however, did not include sacrificing the hopes, dreams, and livelihood of my family. My strong, beautiful, and courageous wife, and our four sweet and beautiful daughters who have endured this process along with me. In weaponized fashion, the FBI allowed me to accept orders to a new position halfway across the country. They allowed us to sell my family's home. They ordered me to report to the new unit when our youngest daughter was two weeks old. Then, on my first day on the new assignment, they suspended me, rendering my family homeless. They refused to release our goods, including our clothes, for weeks. All I wanted to do was serve my country by stopping bad guys and protecting the innocent.
0: It's really hard to hear Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle speak like that, about what our government has done to him. But it's also about what our government is doing to us, because that's what brings these whistleblowers out. That's what has got them in front of this committee. To share some of the information about what our FBI, our three-letter agencies are doing to us, the American people. Remember how they weaponized the government to parents that were just visiting and making their voice heard at school board meetings around the country? Where does that come from? And what about the abortion clinics? The FBI has raided the homes of people that have prayed outside abortion clinics. That's what's been happening in our government, in our country. And that's what brings these, these whistleblowers out. Because they wanted to stop. They see what's happening from within our government and they're trying to stop it. And that's what this committee is trying to do too. Greg Stuby from Sarasota, Florida, comes in with this.
3: Going after pro-life individuals, going after individuals who were not in restricted areas on January 6th, who were not violent on January 6th, using SWAT teams to go after them to try to intimidate them. And then when officers like yourself, who have served our country who have served the FBI, who have served in law enforcement, suddenly want to raise concerns and you a status to be able to, hey, you know, this, this isn't right. This isn't the way that we should be treating the, these individuals. This isn't fair. Suddenly the FBI is shutting you out, taking away your clearances, taking away your pay, shutting you down so that your families can't even survive financially.
0: I mentioned the school board meetings a few minutes ago. And if you remember back a couple of years ago, In Fairfax County, Virginia, and in Loudoun County, Virginia, there were some incidences that happened. We've talked about them before on this program. How do parents go from being parents at school boards to being domestic terrorists? If you remember, there was a letter sent from the National Education Association, the Union for Teachers, sent it to a White House, and then a memo comes from Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice naming parents domestic terrorists. So you ask yourself, how can something like that happen in this country in the year 2023? Well, Special Agent Steve Friend, another whistleblower, kind of shed some light on how that happens.
6: Typically, you would, uh, you would investigate January 6th as one case with lots of subjects, but instead the decision was made to open up a separate case for every single individual there, and instead of on paper investigating them from the Washington field office, Uh, spreading and disseminating those to the field offices around the country and uh, if if the individual lived in that area. So it, in effect, made it look like there was uh, domestic terrorism cases and and activities that were going on around the 56 field offices when, in fact, the cases were really all from Washington, D.C., and Washington field office had a task force that was responsible for calling the shots in all those cases.
0: So now you know every time that Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, When they testify before Congress and they say that domestic terrorism is the greatest threat to America, not a Chinese spy balloon, not China, not Russia, but domestic terrorism is the problem, you understand why? Because they think it's all over the country because it comes out of that one case in Washington, D.C. That is the weaponization of the government, our three-letter agencies, against us. There was another line of questioning that I thought was chilling. In fact, Thomas Massey will even use that word at the end of this. He introduces a new whistleblower that did not come to this hearing, but had testified under oath on a video earlier.
6: I'm noticing a a disturbing trend here. Big business is working with the government to weaponize against the American people. And, uh, you know, the government says, well, this is okay because we're not violating the Constitution. The, the, the big business is doing this uh, voluntarily, and we saw this with the social media companies. But I want to play a testimony from a whistleblower who's not here with us today. If you could cue that up about how we've seen, in this instance, one of the biggest corporations in America working with the FBI to violate civil liberties. I believe it was
5: either on January 7th or the Bank of America um, with no... The FBI <clears throat> data mined its customer base and data mined a date range of five to seven of any BOA who used a BOA product. And by BOA product, a debit card, they compiled that list. And then on top of that list, they put
6: anyone who had purchased a firearm during any date. I find that testimony chilling.
0: And I apologize for that audio, but just to let you know what he testified to there. Bank of America, with no warrants, spied on Americans. They put in a date range of January 5th to January 7th on anyone that made a purchase with a Bank of America credit card or debit card. And then they put any time they purchased a gun. So there you have a private American company that is actually weaponizing itself to spy on you and then pass the information on to the fbi one of our three letter agencies harriet hageman is a freshman representative and she comes from south dakota she is the replacement from liz cheney remember liz cheney she was one of the republicans uh, in name only uh, that was on the january 6th committee that nancy pelosi and the democrats put out uh, last year well She got beat. Liz Cheney got smoked in her primary by this lady.
7: As this hearing gets underway, I want to focus on the cultural changes that have occurred within the FBI over the last 20-plus years, fundamental changes that have led to the political capture of our flagship law enforcement agencies, and with the Democrats using these agencies as their own personal political hacks. What happened that allowed for politicization to permeate every facet of the FBI? Well, there are many things, but I think we must focus on the information that was provided by retired FBI Special Agent Thomas Baker, who testified before the Select Subcommittee earlier this year. Mr. Baker explained <clears throat> that in the aftermath of 9 11, and upon being embarrassed by being scolded by President Bush for not being able to stop it from happening, then FBI Director Robert Mueller made the decision to fundamentally change the FBI from a law enforcement body to an intelligence driven one. Such a redirection of the very purpose of the FBI resulted in centralizing its power in Washington, DC, while placing less emphasis on the field offices. Changes that replaced agent executives in the headquarters with so called professionals from the outside. And stockpiling more and more power in DC and away from the country that it serves. 9-11 was a watershed moment for many reasons. It was a horrific terrorist attack on the shores of the United States of America. But our government's ultimate response is also tragic. And by by eventually finding a way to target not the terrorists, but American citizens, which is where the FBI and DOJ are at this point, in time.
0: One thing I haven't mentioned in this half hour is how the Democrats went after the whistleblowers. They tried to discredit them. Here is here is an exchange between a Democrat representative and whistleblower special agent, FBI agent, Mr. Allen.
7: Thank you. Mr. Allen, have you ever used Twitter? Yes or no?
6: I have utilized Twitter, yes.
7: Okay, and is your account at MarcusA97050645?
6: That is absolutely not my account. Okay, that's not
7: your account. Well, on December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, That quote, is
6: not my account, ma'am.
7: I, you haven't let me finish the question, might sir. might the football player. <laughs> uh,
0: the Democrats kill me in these hearings every time. It never fails. Uh, they, they are a piece of work in these hearings. They attack, they attack, and they attack more, these whistleblowers. Or Matt Taibbi and Mike Schellenberger, when they came before the same committee. They went after them as well. There's one last piece of audio clip I want you to hear because, again, I'm going to go back to Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle. Let's go back to him. He's asked the question about coming forward and having other agents come forward. And would you tell people to come forward after what you've been through?
6: But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you. And your family, if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. We are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing.
7: I yield back.
0: So there you have a little bit of the flavor of the subcommittee for the weaponization of the government, which is led by Jim Jordan. It's scary. It's scary times. They are silencing us on the front end. And then our three-letter agencies are silencing the good guys within so either way, we, we are trying to be shut down, and the good guys are trying to be shut down within the deep state in our country. That's what's happening, and it is, it is definitely scary times that we are living in, and it may be a good time for you to think about preparing. And you know, if you could imagine a world where you wake up one day to find benefits like social security, Medicare, veterans assistance, where they've all vanished and the economy is in a free fall and grocery shelves in your town are picked completely bare. Unfortunately, that nightmare could actually happen because while hurricane season may be just around the corner, there's another huge storm brewing that could hit us even harder. And that's the debt ceiling. The Treasury Secretary warned that the U.S. government could run out of money to pay its bills as soon as June 1. This could trigger a financial catastrophe on the scale of the 2008 meltdown. Benefits like Social Security and veterans' assistance could be cut off. Interest rates would spike and the economy would crater. Millions of Americans would be scrambling to make ends meet and wondering how to put food on the table for their family. Things could get ugly really fast. But what if you don't have to rely on the government or anybody else to provide for your family during that crisis? The answer is simple. Be prepared with emergency food kits from 4Patriots. Their long-lasting and delicious food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. 4Patriots Survival Food Kits are hand-packed right in the USA. They last up to 25 years, compact inside covert storage totes, include a wide variety of foods for your breakfast, your lunch, or your dinner, and it's backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. Four Patriot Survival Food Kits are not just for natural disasters, because in today's world of government ineptitude and unpredictable emergencies, it's more important than ever for you to have a backup plan. Whether it's a recession caused by the government running out of money, rising food costs, or supply chain shock, you can rest easy knowing that you have a reliable source for food to see you through that time. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use the code OUTLOUD to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store including the emergency food supply kits designed to last 25 years. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use the code OUTLOUD to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. And we'll have more of our lives and politics coming in just a minute when we introduce and invite Mike Davis. You see him all the time on television, and he's a guy that you know, I, I think he would make a great attorney general for the United States of America. He was, uh, he was big when it came to getting judges confirmed for President Donald Trump when he was the chief counsel for Senate Judiciary under Chuck Grassley. He has an opinion on Mitch McConnell, and he has an opinion on the Republicans. We'll hear from him in just a moment on the America Out Loud now.
6: Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the Advanced Nasal Solution Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx Nasal Solution Cleanse. That's Cofixrx.com Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com.
7: You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R
6: dot Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to Healthy Cell.com and use code Out Loud for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code Out Loud. The pandemic may be over for
1: some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula. With the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order.
4: America OutLoud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio
5: Liberty and Justice for All I
0: think one of the things that President Trump doesn't get enough credit for are all the judges that were nominated and then subsequently confirmed to seats across this country, and three of them in the Supreme Court. And the guy behind that, I mentioned earlier at the start of this hour that we were going to have this attorney that was behind this, but I, I really didn't really set him up correctly because he was the chief counsel for nominations to the Senate Judiciary Chairman, Chuck Grassley. And I believe that if we had 100 Chuck Grassley's in the Senate, that this country would be a completely different place now this gentleman's name is mike davis he is the president and founder of the article three project mike welcome to our lives and politics
2: thank you for having me on booker
0: i mentioned trump's maybe it's unsung maybe it's forgotten but that was fantastic work that you and and let's let's really give credit to mitch mcconnell You know, Mitch McConnell, sometimes people get frustrated with him. Maybe he's not the cheerleader that people would like to see in a leader. But one thing he can do is, tactically, he can get people through a nomination process and through a confirmation.
2: Yeah, he's – so I – as you said, I worked for – I was uh, the chief counsel for nominations to then-chairman Chuck Grassley on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, Senator Grassley is my home state senator from Iowa. And I frankly went into the Senate very skeptical of Mitch McConnell. And I got to work with him very closely for uh, for nearly two years. And I saw that on the Kavanaugh confirmation, along with the lower federal judges, it was that key partnership between, uh, between Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley that got the job done. We would not have confirmed Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett, a record number of circuit court judges, we would not have transformed the federal judiciary for President Trump if it were not for Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley and their uh, their leadership. And frankly, their steadiness and their resolve.
0: So you think it's fair that McConnell gets the praise for that part of his job?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think, I, I think that uh, I don't think Chuck Grassley gets enough credit, but I certainly think that Mitch McConnell deserves the credit he gets because it was McConnell, it was Grassley were the key instrumental figures who transformed the federal judiciary for President Trump.
0: And 234 judges were confirmed during the four years, which is an incredible number. And, and of course, the, the predecessors of uh, Trump, they left some seats open, so it made it pretty easy, didn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that was what Chuck Grassley did. Chuck Grassley, as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Said he was going to hold off on filling uh, Justice Scalia's seat until after the presidential election, and that was key. That's how President Trump came from behind and won an upset victory, and we we were able to uh, get my former boss Neil Gorsuch confirmed to the Supreme Court and save, frankly, the Republic. If we would have lost the Scalia seat to the left, we would have lost our country. It was it would have been game over.
0: You know, sometimes as we sit back in armchair quarterback from our couches across the country, and we see so many court cases that don't work out the way that we think they should. And then we wonder, are these judges actually working the way we thought they would? What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, these these judges that who President Trump has appointed are constitutionalist, and they've done a very good job, particularly at the Supreme Court and the circuit court level, they're going to make mistakes. From time to time, my former boss, Justice Gorsuch, uh, is—you is, know—they are lifetime appointed. They are pay protected. They are—they're po- supposed to be politically insulated. Uh, they're humans; they make mistakes. Um, but overall, I think President Trump's biggest accomplishment, most consequential accomplishment of his first term, was his transformation of the Supreme Court and the lower federal courts. And remember, it's the judge's job to follow what the law says and not what he wants the law to be and so that's critically important as conservatives we may be disappointed from time to time it could be the judge has made a mistake or it could be that the judge is applying a a liberal law we don't like the liberal law so i mean that's what judges do
0: and there is a process obviously for changing the law and people get involved you know, from your local government to the state government, to the federal government, to make those things happen and changing the laws. But it does, it does seem that some laws are just being ignored. And it seems that this administration, the Biden administration seems to be taking almost every chance and taking it to the Supreme
2: Court. Well, yeah, I mean, we have seen this and that's been the biggest disappointment with Attorney General Merrick. Frankly, when Biden picked Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland I was kind of quietly like reassured like okay he picked this former federal judge someone who's respected who's this adult I have been stunned at how bad Merrick Garland has been as the Attorney General and the 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 first couple picks that Garland made to be his deputies were eye-opening to me he picked (laughs) Vanita Gupta to be his associate attorney general general or his number three to run the civil side of the Department of Justice as opposed to the criminal side. And then he also picked Kristen Clark to be his head of the Civil Rights Division. I worked with Vanita and Kristen on judicial nominations when I was on the Senate Judiciary Committee. These are left-wing, radical activists. You can't get more left-wing than Vanita Gupta and Kristen Clark. And I was stunned that Attorney General Merrick Garland picked them to to, uh, put them in such key Justice Department slots because they are radical, left-wing activist and that's what we have seen out of this biden justice department it, and it starts at the top it starts with attorney general merrick Olin. i always thought oh he's just you know he's just this aloof old former judge egghead professor type who doesn't really know what's going on i have heard from inside sources that he is micromanaging the department thank god my former boss chuck grassley blocked merrick garland to the supreme court and, yes. and one of my other former bosses neil gorsuch got on the supreme court because he would be a Disaster again, we would have lost our country if Merrick Garland took Justice Scalia's seat instead of Neil Gorsuch. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we, we and we've seen this play out of the Justice Department where they have politicized and weaponized the Justice Department to go after Trump, Trump's top age, Trump's supporters, while they give amnesty and they coddle Biden, Biden's slimy, corrupt family, and his supporters. It's amazing to me that if you're a Christian. Praying outside of an abortion clinic, they throw the book at you in Kristen Clark's uh, civil rights division. But if you are a an abortion industry activist, uh, firebombing Catholic churches and crisis pregnancy centers, and terrorizing Supreme Court justices in their homes—all federal crimes—nothing happens. It's just—it's all the way down the line. They'll go after President Trump, President Trump's top aides. For you know whether it's classified documents that President Trump had the absolute right to have under the Presidential Records Act when he left the White House and took them to the office of the of the former President of Mar-a-Lago, an office he used while he was president, so it's completely secure office. Yet they they want to launch investigations and try to take out Trump. and then Biden has classified documents himself, and you know they cover it up for two months. It's unbelievable how this how Attorney General Merrick Garland has politicized and weaponized the Justice Department. And frankly, this is my complaint about House Judiciary Committee Jim Jordan. He needs to get moving on this weaponization committee. It is a critically important committee. And here we are four months after the midterm elections when he knew we were going to win power. And two months after he got that, the gavel handed to him. Where the heck is this weaponization committee? Why That's aren't great. they subpoenaing? Why why aren't they having hearings? What what the heck are they doing? It's a great I mean, point. The yeah. problem is is the problem is is they they compared to the January 6th committee, January 6th had an 18 million dollar budget and 100 staffers. Uh the weaponization committee has 5 staffers that Jim Jordan uses for the full committee so they're busier than heck working on every other issue that the House Judiciary Committee is working on. They're not focused on the Weaponization Select Subcommittee. Jim Jordan's trying to run both, and he's not running either successfully. They have a $2 million budget instead of an $18 million budget for January 6th. They need, to, they need to staff this thing up immediately and get moving. This is too important for our country, for Jim Jordan, to go be a performance, performance artist on Fox News and not get anything done. We cannot have a Benghazi 2.0.
0: And some of my fear about Jim Jordan as I have been watching him, by the way, I think he's great. I love the guy. But one thing I have noticed about him in the last year to year and a half is that it seems like he is a, an incredible historian about being able to recall everything that has happened the last two to three years. And he's great at putting that information across, as you said, on Fox News and other places. But now, what is he doing? And i I'm not seeing enough. I'm watching hearings. And it doesn't seem like there's a cohesive way to get through these hearings. It seems like each Congressperson is getting those video sound bites. That they can put out on social media to make, uh, to make their hits. And it doesn't seem like it's really going anywhere, specifically uh, the James Comer hearing that I've been paying attention to. And uh, that has been disappointing. Let's go back to Merrick Garland a minute, because you said something interesting that has me thinking. Deep down inside, you had a level of hope that Merrick Garland as Attorney General could be fair. But now you see that he is micromanaging every part of it. And we see this uh, two-tier justice system coming from the attorney general and from the Department of Justice and FBI. So, do you think that is all Merrick Garland, or is there someone like a Susan Rice or someone else in the Biden administration that has told him this is what we want to accomplish?
2: Well, that's a very good question. You have to you have to wonder if it's coming directly from President Biden or from Susan Rice or from someone else in the uh, in the Biden White House. Uh, you, you've seen, look at, at the, the, the Biden justice department, it's attorney general, Merrick Garland's the number one, Lisa Monaco's the number two. She's a, yep. she's 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 the deputy attorney general who's supposed to run the criminal side and Lisa Monaco, or excuse me, and uh, Vanita Gupta is supposed to run the civil side. And then you have people like Kristen Clark. It is, it is a completely politicized and weaponized justice department and they don't even make any bones about it whatsoever. You have you have the FBI. We have Chris Wray as the director of the FBI. And frankly, I think he's uh, President Trump's biggest mistake. When I became the chief counsel for nominations to then-chairman Chuck Grassley, my second day on the job was the Chris Wray hearing. And I remember the Democrats and even the Republicans all spun up. This was back in 2017, July of 2017, all spun up about Russian collusion and how Russia how 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 Trump was essentially captured by the Russians. And we had to have this FBI director to come in and be independent to, to save our republic from Trump and that he was you know captured by Vladimir Putin. And I thought it was so strange. Um, but you have to remember, Chris Ray, he's a deep stater. He is. Mm-hmm. He has been Jim. Co- he was Jim Comey's protege his deputy for five years right when when comey was the deputy attorney general um, he he has gone in there i don't know if it's just because he's this wealthy aloof you know white guy who doesn't want to rock the boat and he's just scared and you know w- wants to be timid and lets the fbi run him i've i've heard that theory that the fbi runs him instead of running the fbi but the bottom line is is that you you have very clear evidence that the FBI's Washington field office, uh, several other field offices and their their counter espionage and counterintelligence components have been corrupted by po- with politics. What the heck has he done about it what What has he done about this what why Why is there not something done about this? We know that at Maine justice, the National Security Division is hopelessly corrupted by deep state snakes. They're the ones who went after President Trump for the for the a lago on the a lago raid for documents. He was allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act, but how did Chris Ray allow the FBI to become this corrupt? And why has he not fixed it? That's a question that the Weaponization Committee in the House, if Jim Jordan would actually get get it up and moving with a dedicated staff, uh, that's these are the types of critical questions that could be asked. And what needs to happen is Jim Jordan needs to stop going on Fox News and sending silly letters and and stop doing and stop. You know, just spitting out what other people have already done in the past. He needs to start issuing subpoenas immediately. Subpoena people to come in to staff de- staff depositions. Have his staff grill them uh, with these uh, with these videotape depositions, these transcribed depositions, and then set up hearings. And you're right, there doesn't seem to be a strategy because the strategy is whatever can get Jim Jordan headlines that day.
0: You know, it's it's very frustrating as we look at, uh, I think it was about a year ago, right, when the memo came uh, from the Department of Justice about the parents at school board meetings. And that whole mess with the NEA writing a letter and the White House putting the pressure on the DOJ and the DOJ sends a memo to treat these people as domestic terrorists, just parents going to school board meetings to try to make a difference in their kid's life.
2: Yeah, or Christians praying, uh, you know, praying at abortion clinics, parents going to school board meetings. They I mean, it, look, they're go- they're com- they they are coming after us. They this is like Marxism one oh one. They have taken over every institution in America, big tech, big media, our government, even our law enforcement and military, and they are going to turn it against us. We are we are already seeing it. Like we are we are we are frogs in a boiling pot and we need to realize that it's boiling right that's why this house weaponization committee is so important you could not have a country survive if it's intel and law enforcement agencies have been politicized and weaponized that that is the end of america as a republic if this does not stop immediately that's why it's so critical that Jim Jordan take this weaponization committee seriously. He should He should not have been chairing this thing himself. It's a select committee. He's too busy running the House Judiciary Committee. He has a thousand other things going on. He should have appointed a select committee chairman, and they have a designated staff director, chief counsel, a bunch of lawyers and staff that's designated just to these issues. And instead, he's trying to run this thing himself with five staffers, just five staffers that he uses on the full Judiciary Committee, and he's he's outmanned and outgunned. I heard that Jim Jordan didn't want to have a designated staff for this select committee because he didn't want to give Democrats staff. Well, okay, well, Democrats already have staff. They already have thousands of staffers. They're called FBI agents and CIA agents and the law the mm-hmm. broader law enforcement and intel community. We are out we are outmanned and outgunned. We are gonna get destroyed as a country if we do not stop the weaponization of the FBI, the Justice Department, the CIA, DNI, the broader Intel and, and law enforcement agencies.
0: And when it comes to the Democrats, it seems like their greatest strategy is lawfare and guys like Mark Elias out in front of everything. Where where are conservative attorneys?
2: That's a very good question. I think what I think happens is too, I mean, I'll be very candid here. I think too much of the money on the right is monopolized by Leonard Leo. He controls almost all the money on the right, and he's just not red pilled. He's not going to spend the money on where the money needs to be spent to hire these street fighting lawyers and other warriors to fight back. And so. You know, if, if, if Leonard can't raise money and, you know, put it on TV ads so he can line his pocket, we're, he's not going to do it. And so that's the problem, right? The money on the, the right is monopolized by Leonard Leo, and the money on the left, they you know, they get George Soros money. They get a lot of money from a lot of different places. You saw this with Southern Poverty Law Center. They have a half, a half billion dollars in their endowment, and they are organized and they're savage. We're not. Let's let's talk. You know, about it, it. It, it just it just reminded just to just close this point on it seems like conservatives to me. It's like we're, we're right now. We are the string orchestra on the Titanic, right? The Titanic <laughs> is going down. Our our country is going down and we're the string orchestra. We want to look good and, you know, everything's OK. Don't worry about anything. I don't think that conservatives understand what the heck is going on. And that is there is a Marxist takeover of America. It's likely tri- China driven. George Soros is a big part of this. This is not our parents or our grandparents' Democrat Party. These are not liberals who love America and believe in equality and due process and fairness. These are leftists. These are Marxists. They hate America. They hate due process. We saw that with Me Too during the Kavanaugh nonsense. They hate equality. We see this now with equity, where they want to do blatant racial discrimination and punish people, reward and punish people based upon their race. Republicans, conservatives need to wake up. We are going to lose our country.
0: And that seems to be a consistent theme on this program. Earlier, when I opened this hour, I talked about how they make us election deniers, COVID deniers, January 6th deniers. They have this narrative, and they have this playbook, and they go through it over and over and over again. Tucker Carlson recently released some of the 40,000 hours of January 6th, quote, insurrectionists, unquote. And, you know, I didn't have much hope that it was going to change anything for the people that really it needed to change. And now it has come out. And we have people like Mitch McConnell. And I know that recently on social media – while you agree with Mitch McConnell on most things, you did disagree with his stance in what he said about the January 6th tapes coming out with Tucker Carlson.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Mitch McConnell. I went to war with him on judges. I don't agree with him on everything, but I defend him quite a bit. I'm not going to defend him on this. Tucker Carl, Carlson released tapes that clearly showed that Jacob Chansley, Hornman horn man, uh, was innocent. They had police officers Walking him to the Senate floor, opening up doors for him, and he went on and took selfies on the Senate floor. And then the Biden Justice Department charged him with some sort of being like the face of this non-insurrection insurrection. It was a it was a protest that got out of control and turned to a it turned into a riot. It was not an insurrection, evidenced by Jacob Chansley going to the Senate floor quietly, peacefully taking. Selfies on the Senate floor and not burning down the place. Insurrectionists, would once they get to a nation's capital, insurrectionists would burn down the capital. They wouldn't take selfies and have police escort them around and walk out the capital. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's nonsense. And for Mitch McConnell to criticize Tucker Carlson for doing his job as a journalist and showing – that the insurrection was a hoax. It wasn't an insurrection. It was a protest that got out of control and turned into a riot. And to criticize that is just baffling to me. And it shows that he needs to get more in touch with America in the real world. This, th- There was evidence that Jacob Chansley was railroaded. There is very clear evidence. It's, it's actually indisputable that Jacob Chansley's attorneys did not get this exculpatory video from the Biden Justice Department before they prosecuted him and had him plead guilty to felonies back in September of 2021. And he was sentenced to 41 months in prison. There's no chance that they would have sent him, they would have convicted him of any crime, any felony that that would have sent him to jail for 41 months. Trespassing, maybe, 30 days in jail, maybe, but 41 months when police are escorting this misguided, mentally ill goofball around the Senate. Like, give me a break. And I just... Look, I agree with Mitch McConnell on a lot of things, not everything. I defend him constantly. I'm not defending him on this one.
0: And the leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, is out on the uh, Senate floor and also all over television just trying to completely censor Tucker Carlson by getting Fox News to have it taken down, which is completely bizarre that the First Amendment would just be run over by the leader of the Senate. And, you know, we had Joseph McBride on this program a few weeks ago. It was right after Richard Bigo Barnett was found guilty, and he mentioned that he is keeping some bullets in the chamber because of the way that the judicial system is in those Washington, D.C. courts. It's stacked against them, so he's hoping that the appeals will work better than going before a jury of 95 percent Democrats in those. Is that a strategy that can work for these
2: people? it's not going to work because the D.C. circuit's just as bad as the D.C. District Court. And that's the problem, right? We have a D.C. District Court where it is stacked with left-wing radical judges for the Democrat picks by Obama and Biden. And the Republican picks are these weak, stupid, easily manipulated judges. Not all of them on either side. There are some fair judges on both sides. But it tends to be... Hardcore left-wing partisan Democrats and weak, stupid, easily manipulated Republicans, and we saw that with uh, you know Judge Royce Lambert, a Republican-appointed judge. I like Judge Judge Lambert; I know him personally. But he got completely duped when he sentenced. He went along with in, this insurrection political narrative, false insurrection political narrative, went along with the hysteria, and sentenced Jacob Chansley to 41 months in prison for being a mentally ill goofball a performance artist
0: again that is mike davis and mike is the president of the article 3 project now but he had such a great career under president donald trump and chuck grassley a big thank you to mike davis for joining us here on our lives and politics i don't know if you remember rachel rollins rachel rollins was a u.s attorney in boston She is a Soros-backed George Soros backed to this district attorney in her race to win the election. And after that, she was then appointed by President Biden to be a U.S. attorney. And it was a very, very close and pretentious uh, confirmation process for her. Senator Tom Cotton was really against her and he wasn't alone. There was also Joe Manchin, a Democrat. In fact, it took Kamala Harris, to break the tie in the Senate to actually have Rachel Rollins confirmed. I'm gonna play an audio clip for you real quick of Rachel Rollins to see if if this jogs your memory any about what she did when she was confronted by a reporter in Boston.
7: Killed? Who do you think you are? Get, this is private property, okay, get out of here. Get up, and you know what I'll do? I'll call the police on you and make an allegation, okay. and we'll see how that works okay. with you. Absolutely. So the rantings of a white woman get you here. And-
0: so that's Rachel Rollins, and as I mentioned, she had to resign this week. Do you remember Inspector General Michael Horowitz? He's done several reports. He's a guy that sits in the middle. He has been uh, through many, many different presidents. It is his job to kind of keep things honest in the Department of Justice. He did a huge investigation and he actually referred criminal prosecution to the Department of Justice. Guess what? Merrick Garland decided not to prosecute. If she had been a Republican, she would have been prosecuted. No doubt about it. We are living in an America with a two-tier justice system and a weaponization of our government. Hang in there we're going to get through this okay. Get active, get involved, get loud, make a difference. You can do it. Remember, salt without flavor has no value, and you are the salt of the earth, so be salty. This hour has been brought to you by 4Patriots.com. I'm Booker Scott. Have a great week. I'll be back next Saturday night at 7 on America Out Loud Talk Radio. You've been listening to Our Lives and Politics on the America Out Loud Network.